Welcome to I'd Rather Be in Paris, a podcast for the aspiring expat. I'm your host, Juan Ulloa. Welcome to the I'd Rather Be in Paris podcast. Uh, with us today is Catherine Norton of Seize the Trek. Welcome, Catherine. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. My Very pleasure. Exciting. So Catherine is a friend and um, probably the most well-traveled friend that I have. Um, she's been to, what, 49 countries and counting? Yes. Yes. Ex- excellent. So um, the so you have a lot to a lot of experience to 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 bring to the table. But um, similarly to me, Catherine is married with children um, but also balancing the desire to travel and or live overseas while maintaining a steady income, you know, that that's the biggest challenge for any of us that want an expat life. So I think, you know, Catherine being here today is, is, is going to be very valuable to all of us. So thank you very much. So tell me a little bit about your, you know, what got you started on international travel? Well, um, I w- always wanted to travel. I came from a family, a lower middle class family in New Jersey. Um, the big thing for us to go visit was the Jersey Shore or, you know, going to Gettysburg. That was our big vacation every year. Um, never traveled internationally. So um, when I was 16, I actually got into a very bad, um, I was hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And um that kind of changed a lot of things for me. I was in the hospital for about three months. Um, the upside was I got a rather large settlement. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I was 17, I had a chance to go to Paris just for a school trip for a week. And um, I never took French. I took Spanish. And so I went on the school trip and that was it. I was there for a week and I knew there was going to be no stopping me. Um, that, that was the beginning of the end, so to speak. And so from then on, I just used all my money for traveling. And I don't recommend going that way, getting hit by a car, but um, it, it just, it, it kind of helped because I was able to um, have the freedom to not have to ask my parents mm-hmm. or not have to work at least at the beginning. And then, um, I was able to, um, again, jump in and travel right away. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I empathize with you because, I mean, although my wife had traveled internationally and I had traveled internationally before we met, um, the impetus, you know, the first time that we traveled as a family internationally was right after my wife had had uh, a health scare. And, and similarly to your accident, it kind of put a lot of things in perspective. Mm-hmm reminded us that you know life is short we only get one go around yeah and there's a lot of world to see and you know quite honestly i think that's the fire that's within me and i'm sure that's within you it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of let's see every inch of this place while we can exactly um i feel like uh if if sometimes it's really bad because if i have a choice between finding uh you know a cheap flight to go somewhere and maybe paying off a bill i usually take i usually take the cheap flight going off you know somewhere so um sometimes my priorities aren't always great <laughs> when it comes to travel because <laughs> i sometimes place for a travel above some things i had to learn um once i got married and had children um i had to kind of be a little careful with that 
Um, but I still sometimes I'm a little selfish and I, I take that trip that maybe I shouldn't, but in the big scheme of things, everything worked out. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a balancing act exactly. as with everything in life. Exactly. <laughs> now, now explain to me, what do you professionally, what do you, what do you do? Um, I'm a salesperson. I'm in business development. So currently I consult for a company down in Miami, Florida. And what I do is um, they are a company that uh, does inspections, property preservation, rehab, rental turns for um, HUD and private companies. And so what I do is I bring in business for them. I've done this now for probably 20 years on and off. And uh, with this company, two years, uh, with a prior company, four and a half years. And I do this from home. And how long have you been working from home now? Six and a half years. Okay. So um, one of the things that I've touched on on the blog and in the podcast occasionally is, you know, how do you how do you navigate the employment situation? Um, given that we're married and with, you know, have families, it's not as easy for us to just kind of pop over, um, and find something. This is true. But, um, what I'm finding, and I, I have a few statistics too, is, um, right now about 8 million people from the 2017 census work from home. Mm-hmm. So that's about 5% of the population. This is not just, you know, family businesses. This is people that are teleworking, telecommuting, or, like myself, are consultants and work from their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies, large companies like IBM, are getting away from having offices and having these kind of offices where people meet once a week or once a month. But in in general, they're all remote workers. Um, a lot of companies are getting away from that office space, especially when you don't need it, especially in sales and in, mm-hmm. in outside sales. There's no reason to be in an office. Um, you know, you could, especially if you can do everything either through meetings, on the phone, or through email. So I think work in general is changing; it's evolving, and that's actually a positive for folks like us who want to travel and work. No, you raised an excellent point because actually, and I'll post it on the on the blog. Um, I came across a video uh, from a French company, um, and part of what they do is 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 uh, showcase job opportunities, but they have a video on their website that's really excellent, but they're profiling remote workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one young lady that really struck me because she's working for a company that's 100% remote. Mm-hmm. They have they have no employees in a physical place. They gather once or twice a year in one location. Um, but apart from that, um, groups of them where they have large concentrations of staff, they'll meet uh, occasionally at a a co-working space like a we work like we works yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah so you know hopefully this this bodes well for us yeah it <laughs> has mean, been for me and um there's something i want to touch on that um that's gonna happen hopefully for me in the future mm-hmm. is something called um being a digital warrior that's where you find a coast like a co-working space like a we works but in another country mm-hmm. now believe it or not this can be done in many many countries and some of them really cheap so it's it's a possibility to do this i mean you don't necessarily have to work for a country a company in a foreign country you can work for a company here and go to a co-work space in another country that's kind of what i'm eventually going to do that's the direction i'm going with that's excellent and and that actually touches upon um something that uh our 
last week's guest, Adrian Leeds, mm-hmm. uh, touched upon as well. Uh, but I, you know, frankly, I, I, I hope that works out for you because it gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, oh, I've been researching it. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think your husband and my wife will have a lot of uh, a lot of points of comparison. When oh, it comes my to husband us. knows who he married. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate to say it. I don't know that my wife did. I think she. <laughs> I think she's on along for the ride, though. God willing. Good. <laughs> so, uh, you started a project called "Seize the Trek." Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, it's just um, it's it's definitely in its infancy. Um, it's basically trying to, I guess, start a blog. Eventually, it's going to be a book. I the idea was to write a book about all my adventures. I've had some really crazy adventures. I've been traveling since I was 17. Uh, I've been to, like I said, 49 countries. I've, you know, lived in France. I've lived in Australia. I've traveled through Indonesia. I've done some crazy things, had crazy adventures. And people seem to like the stories. So I, I wanted to make a, a book about this, about my adventures. And um, Seize the Trek is kind of like, um, I would say, the informational portal to me and my travels. So there's a blog that is, again, not quite there yet. Um, there's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So it's, it's all just started pretty recently. Um, it's been something I've been wanting to do for many years. It's something everybody has told me I should do, mm. considering all my travels and all my crazy adventures. And so that's kind of where, you know, how Seize the Trek started and where it's going. Again, in a couple of years, I'd like to have a book, you know. Well, you and I have met in real life <laughs> outside <Yes>. of Skype. <laughs> yes. um, and, and I'll tell you, some of those stories are well worth reading about. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the, the stories that you conveyed to me, um, it, it really touched me, but it also, um, there's a certain sense of risk-taking and abandon that you sometimes have to have to have in order to kind of get out of your comfort zone and, and see the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think, I think we're, but especially as Americans, I think that we should make an effort to be much more traveled. I find People that have traveled extensively have very broad perspectives, but it's 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 also um, it's eye opening. But you learn so much about yourself and the people around you when you uh-huh. travel. It's a must in my book. Oh, the same for me. It's it's I don't want to say it's like breathing, but it's sort of like it's the thing that makes me happy. I am happy when I'm in an airport. I'm unhappy when I'm dropping somebody else off at an airport. But when I'm going to the airport, I'm extremely happy. It's my happy place. I love traveling. I mean, I I don't know. It's just and I don't come from a travel family. That's what's amazing. Nobody in my family really travels. And it was just something that I was born with. Just this curiosity for the world. I want to see everything. I want to experience everything. I want to do everything. And it's really you know, driven me this past 40 something years that I've been traveling. That a curiosity for the world. We should all have that. Um, now you said you took Spanish. Yes. And you had lived in France, correct? Yes. For three so, years. Three and years. 
yeah. And then uh, after that, I just really started taking a lot of languages. Um, I could speak a little of several languages badly. So I took in in college, I took, you know, I took Spanish, I took French, I took Chinese, um, I studied some Arabic, I took German. Mm -hmm. So it does actually help me when I travel because at least I can get around a little bit. Um, traveling through Indonesia, I picked up some Bahasa. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it really does help, um, you know, if you at least try a little bit. Now, you've been to 49 countries. Yes. Um, do you, A, do you have a favorite place? And B, yeah. what's <laughs> left? What's left for you to see? Oh, my gosh. Well, my favorite place, of course, is Paris. Um, anybody who knows me knows that's like um, my first love, my true love, <laughs> my coup de foudre <laughs> when I go visit. Um, it's one of those places that I, it's like maybe I live there in another life. I don't know, but I have such a connection to Paris and France. Um, again, I went there not speaking the language and... Now, many, many, many years later, even though I don't speak it on a daily basis or even on a monthly basis, I'm still fluent in it. Um, I, it just stayed with me. I've had dreams in, in French. I mean, it's one of those things that I don't know. Like I said, maybe a form of life. As far as places to visit, oh, my goodness, we were just talking about this this morning. Ah, the list is endless. There's so many. My problem is I go back to places that I like. Mm -hmm. And forgetting to go to the new places. And um, there's just so many. The list is just ridiculous right now. Our, our, our wish list. Well, if that, at the very least, like my, my daughter and I have had that conversation where, you know, we recently where she wanted to, she was making recommendations to other places that we could go. And I wouldn't say that I was hesitant, but... <laughs> She, she looked at my face and she was like, let me guess, you want to go back to Paris? I'm like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, I have a couple of trips coming up and um, one of them is to Italy. I've been to Italy, like, I want to say 20 times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but I love going to Italy, too. And but now we're going to uh, Portugal in November and that'll be a new place. I've never been to Portugal. So that'll be one that then I'll hit 50. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm curious about, I'm very curious about Portugal, actually, because I, I found out that I have quite a significant amount of Portuguese ancestry, something that was thoroughly unknown to me before. And um, so I'm, I'm particularly curious about that. And uh, uh, I have several acquaintances and friends that have gone, and it looks like an incredibly stunning mm -hmm. place. Yeah. So that might have to be a, a joint, uh, I'd rather be in Paris, seize the truck kind of uh exactly event <laughs> sure sure i think we'll that i think that'll be a, for a week so uh, i think we, we may have to just bring bring the iphones and and you know we can live stream <laughs> there you go there you go but there's just so many places it's just i always say too little time too little money i mean i <laughs> i have way too many places on the list well, you know, you, you've, uh, knowing a little bit about your travels, you've done kind of the broad spectrum of, of travel. I mean, you've stayed in, in everything from hostels all the way up to obviously hotels. Yes. So, so you've, you've experienced, um, Both the, the entire array <laughs> yes. of accommodations and, and travel mm -hmm. modes. Uh, now, um, let me ask you a question. So sure. 
your goal is eventually to live a life outside of the country? I think so, yes. Okay. Now, how are you going to, and obviously with, with the business that you have, the, the consulting mm -hmm. business, you should be able to maintain that from anywhere where there's a decent internet connection. Sure. Now, what about, how do you deal with the challenges of family? Well, that's, juggling that? well that's the big, the big issue is the family. Um, I mean, my, well, our, I should say my husband and I would eventually like to um, settle down in um, the Mid-Pyrenees area of France, um, possibly outside of Carcassonne. Mm -hmm. I really like that area a lot. You're close, you know, you're close to Spain, you're close to the beaches, you're in France, you're three hours away from Paris, you're, you know, hop, skip and a jump from Switzerland, Italy, all the places we love. Um, and, but the dilemma is that he is starting kind of a second wave of his career. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be involved with that a while. Whether he can do that remotely, we don't know at this point. Um, we have children that are just going to be finishing high school in the next couple of years. So we have kids that are going into college. So that's good and bad. Yeah. The good part is that we might be able to get away a little more because they'll be a little more independent and not sure. so dependent. The uh, downside is they're going to college. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have these kind of dilemmas. Um, several years ago, uh, actually 10 years ago, I did take some time out and I went to Kenya. And what we did, we had a dual household. It was, it was very rough, though. The kids were young. Javier stayed at home with the kids for the summer, just worked part time. And um, I went to Nairobi and worked for three months on a project uh, for the UN. Um, my life, it was one of my dreams to do this. And he was wonderful with, uh, you know, having no problem with letting me go. Um, but it was tough because of several reasons. One being financial, we had to maintain two households um, while I was away. And, you know, I was making just enough money to do that. Mm -hmm. And he was working part time. So it was a little difficult. The other thing was being away from young children. Um, sure. That was really, really tough on them. And on me too, but it was, you know, I missed some stuff. I mean, it was only three months, but I did miss some things, some important milestones, like a first tooth being lost, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, but the upside was with the, um, with Skype, we were able to, you know, talk every night and, you know, I spoke with the kids every single day. And so um, it, it's a tough balance. It's, and for somebody like me who is so passionate about travel, but I love my family. It's, you know, almost like a Sophie's choice sometimes, you know, exactly. What do, you do? do you, you know, do you get away for a while to satisfy your need to travel? But does your family suffer? So I try to balance it. That was probably a bit selfish that a thing that I did, but I got it out of my system sort of, <laughs> and it actually kept me good for several years. Mm hmm. Well, no, that's a, you know, when they're, when they're so young, I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it's, it's daunting. I mean, we similarly, when, when the three of us moved to DC from New York, um, my wife's job kept her out of town, um, easily two to three months, uh, out of the month for the better part of the first year and a half that we were here. So, um, but she was at least still, you know, traveling domestically. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a challenge. Um, yeah. I, I can only I can only imagine what what the what the feelings were on your side. You know, being on the other side of the world. I mean, that's. But well, you know, it, yeah, it's it's, tough. it's to you know what. But to to your husband's credit, to Javier's credit, you know what he, he I think he did the right thing for you and for the kids and oh, you know definitely. I mean, he took a, we both took a lot of heat for it. There are a lot of people thought that, <laughs> oh, that yeah. oh, how dare you go away and leave your children for three months. But again, he knew that this was something that was a, a dream for me to mm-hmm. be able to, I have always wanted to go to, you know, um, Africa and I wanted to work for the UN. And, you know, these were things that I, I really wanted to do really badly and, we couldn't all go. It just wasn't feasible for all of us to go. And, um, you know, he allowed me, you know, he, he, as my partner, we agreed that it's, it was a good idea. And, um, it, you know, the kids are fine. Yeah. <laughs> Years later, the kids are fine. <laughs> no. And you know, to, I, I know Javier personally, and he's a good dad. I mean, he dotes on his kids and, um, he's a great example. Um, well, he's a great partner for somebody oh, yeah. who likes to travel. Well, but you know, I think for for people like us that have that that need to to travel and see the world and have a particular love for a particular place like Paris, you know, we need partners that are going to understand mm-hmm. um, understand that desire within us, even if they don't share it completely. Well, I'm uh, lucky he does. So yeah. he loves to travel. It's just unfortunately, and this is so bad that I'm saying this, but sometimes if it's a choice between you know, waiting to travel so the two of us can go and me going. <laughs> oh. Sometimes, you know, Javier has to take the hit. He's <laughs> gonna hate uh, this. <laughs> God love the man. Uh, yeah. He he deserves a big uh, birthday and Christmas present. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm throwing that out there for you, brother. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? I think you know to. To our partners' credit, they they support our uh, sometimes insane <laughs> love of Paris and travel, mm-hmm. um, and they do it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, but it is a balancing act, you know. Frankly, um, yes. but you know, in our case, you know, my daughter's a little younger than your kids, so sure. she's she's going to be starting high school in another two years. So, but. You know, I've already looked at the possibility of, well, you know, once high school and college rolls around, maybe there's an, an international school. If we can mm-hmm. find something there. That and there would, is. There's yeah. plenty of, there's not just, there's American, every country has an American university. Paris has a wonderful school. I almost went there, the American University of Paris. And um, there's also... I mean, I went directly to the Sorbonne. I, I bypassed because I didn't want to pay... You know, back then, it, this we're talking 1984. It was like 12,000 a year. That was very expensive, and so I went directly to the Sorbonne and I paid what pretty much almost a local would pay, and it was about $400 a semester. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, three. You spent three years in in Paris. Yes, that was amazing. Uh, so you, but you originally went on a on a you were just visiting, correct? Well, originally, okay. I went on that week-long trip, and then the plan was for me to go to Paris for three months just to kind of 
no Paris, and then to travel around for about six, seven weeks. Mm. Well, around Europe. Well, what happened was I was there for about a week, and I, I, I knew. I said, no, no, that's not going to happen. So um, I signed up at the Alliance Francaise, um, and I took French classes for eight hours a day, five days a week, mm-hmm. uh, for six months. And then from there, I applied to the Sorbonne uh, School of Language, and that's kind of how it all came about. Um, I was a field pair. So mm-hmm. I did work while I was there. I took care of kids. Um, very popular thing to do for students. So I took care of um, kids the whole time I was there and um, lived with the families. Mm-hmm. So I was able to live and kind of work. And then I, I tutored English. And then my last year in Paris, I worked at Mr. Donut <laughs> by Garcin Lazar. So mm-hmm. I, was, um, I worked there, uh, Monsieur Beignet, Mr. Donut. Um, kind of, <laughs> I worked under the table, so it wasn't quite legal what I was doing, but, um, you know. I was hired. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then things were a little bit. I believe yeah, things were a little bit more flexible. Yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. But you know what? The the uh, your experience raises a good example uh, that I've seen played out. Uh, April Pet, who was on on the show, that's how she got her foothold into into France. She was an au pair, just like you were. Yeah. Uh, so it's not impossible to do. Oh no! Uh, it's not impossible to do. There are challenges, but um, you know, certainly. Now, the um, in terms of uh, the consulting business that you have, um, do you anticipate? Um, do you think that the time difference will that help you? You know, or hurt you in theory, like. Let's I'm say. trying to figure that out because the plan right now is to ease into it. Um, I'm going to start probably in about a year or two with mm-hmm. um, Indonesia, with Google, okay. because I know they have a really good infrastructure there for doing this. So you can get a co-working space for about $100, $200 a month there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can live there. We're talking room board expenses for about seven, eight hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So you can maintain both households. So my plan is to do that for about three or four months. Mm-hmm. Try to see how that works. And with the time difference, also, I may hire some help there. Um, they have a, it's, again, a great location because they have a lot of people who speak English that can assist. And so I, I'm going to try it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily tell my employers. <laughs> I'm going to play it by ear because some folks might not be too happy with it. But again, if it's seamless, you know, yeah. if you can keep it seamless, that's the, the, the requirement, you know, is to keep it seamless. You have to have a place that has great internet and great phone service. If you have that and it keep it seamless. So nobody really knows mm-hmm. um, that can work. I've worked from France before I've done some work. Um, there's also ways that you can set your emails, uh, especially if you're doing many emails, you can set them to different times so it doesn't look like you're sending emails at 2 o'clock in the morning. Correct. That's another way to get around that. Phone calls are a little different, but, you know, it's only, what is it, about a five-hour 
Six, five, six hour difference. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not that bad depending on when you work during the day. I mean, it's manageable. Yeah, no, I, it got me thinking because when, um, when I was in Paris last, I had just started, uh, back at school taking courses online. So, um, the school is based on the East coast. Um, Mm -hmm. but oddly enough, you know, I have deadlines to meet, but Mm -hmm. the good thing was that given the time differences in, in France, that actually worked in my favor. So I was getting up early, <laughs> but mm-hmm. completing my work in time to meet the deadlines here in the States. But I was able to have a whole rest of a day to do whatever sure. I wanted to do. But I think, you know, certainly having it be seamless and then, you know, from, from your standpoint as the person working remotely, having a discipline in terms of getting up on a reg- at a regular timetable sure. and obviously meeting your benchmarks you know, for your, for your employers or your clients mm-hmm. is key to be able to maintain that remote lifestyle. But I agree with you. It seems like the trend is going that route. Yes. And I think so. And I, I'm seeing more and more of it. And so my thought is, well, I've been doing it at home for six and a half years seamlessly, mm-hmm. no issues, no problems. Why can't I do it somewhere else? What does it really matter where I'm working from? I could be on the moon working as long as I get the job done. So why should anybody really care? As long as I'm getting my work done and mm. it's seamless, it shouldn't matter where I'm doing it from as long as I'm getting the work done. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Whether I can get a buy-in from other people on it, that's going to be a question. So I'm going to ease into it, maybe starting you know, a month or two trying it out, mm-hmm. maybe even trying out domestically working um, – you know, I like to travel domestically, too, so maybe doing like a month or two in New Orleans or in Florida or someplace warmer, especially in the winter, yeah. um, is the, the thought. And um, trying it out and seeing how it works that way, maybe in a different, different time zone domestically and then trying overseas just to see if, it, if it's doable. I think it is, but... It seems like it's it's going that way, but you know, I, I in my own research for this particular uh, episode, you know, I was looking at a lot of companies that you know are based in France uh, but have a presence here, because um, obviously, if you can get domestic employment in the states with those companies, it makes that possibility of moving over sure. a little easier. But vice versa, you know, folks have to look at what companies that they're working for here that have a presence in France um, to facilitate that. Now, um, but obviously the big Megillah is always the language or the lack thereof, because obviously mm-hmm. the language is going to be a must uh, in, in uh, eventually for, well, for some folks, if you want to work on the ground in France for a French company. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so that's going to be some, now, gosh, you. Eight, you were taking classes eight hours a day, five oh, days? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, and then I had a... God bless you. I, I hate, again, <laughs> Javier, cover your ears. Um, having a French-speaking boyfriend doesn't hurt either. Um, always the best way to learn a language. <laughs> well, you know, that... that uh, I always remember my first international trip. Um. I landed in, I was in London and I was taking the tube to the hotel in central London. And I was all of maybe 20, 22 at the time. 
two very, very stunning German girls were asking for directions. Somehow I managed to speak to them and communicate to them where they needed to go. The fact of the matter is, if I know very little French, I know even less German. It's amazing <laughs> what you'll, <laughs> what you'll, you'll figure out. That. <laughs> to communicate with the opposite sex. Exactly. <laughs> well, but even when you're when you're immersed in the culture, I mean, I found that, you know, on this last trip in particular, which was a little bit more lengthy, we were in Paris for two weeks. Um, every once in a blue moon, I catch my wife and my daughter looking at me like, "Is that him?" Because, you know, when you're when you're forced to, sometimes you just don't have the the option but to speak the language. Um, but I would I have high school French, but it was amazing how I could get by and what I was forcing myself to remember. Well, you start thinking in yeah. French. That's the difference. There's a difference between speaking it and mm -hmm. thinking in it. And once you start thinking in it, that helps you speak it. So you, you do think in, in, in that language? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I said, I've actually had dreams in French, which really blows me away because I think that's when you know you know a language, <laughs> when you yeah. dream in a language and you, you're speaking and people are speaking back to you. <laughs> I mean, let's be, my, my French is not perfect. <laughs> it's, you know, my accent comes and goes. But for the amount of time since I had studied it and the lack of speaking it on a daily basis or even, like I said, on a monthly basis... Mm -hmm. I've retained it really. It's, but I think part of it is just I love the language so much. I love France. I love Paris. I love the culture. And I think that's helped. That has helped keep the language within me. Yeah, you know, I think when you have something, when it's that deeply rooted in your psyche, I guess. Uh, yes, exactly. It, it, it really, it really sticks with you. So. Uh, hopefully that'll help my French language uh, learning <laughs> as well, because <laughs> it's definitely in my psyche at this point. But um, so I want to I, I want to thank you for taking the time to to be with us today. Oh, uh, it's welcome. been it's been great. I want to thank you. I want to thank Javier. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Javier <laughs> and, and the kids. Um, but you know. Uh, particularly because you know what they indulge us, our, our families indulge us in our love of, of traveling or our love of Paris and uh, it's appreciated so to all of you out there that do that thank you very much um, now Catherine where, where can we find you online uh, right now on Twitter at Seize the Trek also on Facebook Pinterest and Instagram also at Seize the Trek working on the blog <laughs> not quite published yet but uh Keep an eye out in the next month or so. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, and oh, I hope to see you soon. Yes, at right. Le Diplomat. <laughs> oh, yes, the Le Diplomat. This is not an ad, people. But th this is uh, the last time Catherine and I met, we went to Le Diplomat, uh, a lovely French restaurant in, in Washington, D.C. Highly recommend it. I've, had it, I've mentioned it uh, a few times uh, on Instagram and, and on the blog, so... Uh, Maybe we'll, you know, if a few of you make your way down to, to D.C., maybe we can, we can all do a little meetup at Le Diplomat. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Well, thank you, Juan. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, before I go, you'll see a link in the show notes 
to leave the show a message. So if you have any recommendations for future guests or uh, questions for our past guests, feel free to leave them there and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. Now, uh, before I go, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and share it with your friends. Of course, in between episodes, join us on iratherbeinparis.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.